Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. There are loads of ways to support this podcast. Many of you who have left reviews, many of you have shared this podcast with your friends and family, but we've created another way for you to support this podcast by making a monetary financial contribution. You can choose from a one-time contribution or making a small monthly contribution to continue to make disorderly dogs possible. You can learn more at the link in the show notes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about toys, toy play, using toys as a reinforcer. And I have my wonderful trainer and colleague with me, Steph. Many of you know her. Many of you love her. If you don't know her, I'm excited for you to get to know her because she has a lot of amazing things to bring to the table. And she is a little bit more well-versed in the toy play department than I am. So we want to give a shout out really quickly to our wonderful client, Brittany, Team Serious. This podcast is basically born out of us supporting them. So thank you very much for giving us some inspiration for a podcast topic. Okay, so Steph, really quickly, do you just want to introduce yourself to everybody who doesn't know you yet? Yeah, I'm Steph. Um, I'm a... KPA certified trainer. I've been working with Rachel um, with clients in person here in Denver and virtually for four years now. Um, and more recently in the last like two and a half years with my Belgian Malinois Moxie, I've been learning all about play and using toys um, when it comes to training in our relationship. And it's been a whole new world that I'm really excited to dive into. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I feel like dog training is kind of cyclical, like working with my clients. And I just, I'm working with a lot of clients right now and helping them understand how they can utilize toys to their advantage and use them as a reinforcer. So we wanted to give you all some insight into that, right? So we do want to preface this, that toys are not going to be an effective reinforcer for every dog. They just aren't, right? right? Some dogs are into toys. Some dogs aren't. But if you have a dog who is into toys, maybe hashtag ball is life, right? Maybe they love playing tug. What we want to do is we want to help you understand how you can expand on that. And we don't want to exploit toy play, okay? Because I think sometimes that happens, right? Like we're exploiting like a dog being obsessed with a toy. We don't want to exploit dogs. But what we want to do is leverage it as a reinforcer, especially if you're working on training and you're trying to get to certain behavior outcomes, right? So, um, I want to start by stuff. I want to hear, we were talking before we started recording everyone and, and stuff was talking about how she had to work to build the toy. Can we call it toy drive? Is that an appropriate label for it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Right. So like building yeah. the toy drive with Moxie before you could even dream about using it as an effective reinforcer. Yeah. Right. Right. And that starts at home right? Um, without distractions, without a different environment around. So, and Moxie is a Malinois, so she has loved toys from day one, right? So it was pretty easy to kind of take that and build on it. Um, and so she has access to toys like at home all of the time, toys that are all on the floor. Um, and we play with those toys and we do, do different things with those toys. And when she was a puppy, we for sure built um, a lot of her motivation for playing with the toys with that. Um, 
now that she's a grown-up, we have, I don't know what I call her, like grown-up adult <laughs> toys that she only gets to play with when we're doing um, specific training. Um, but these are things that even though she loves toys and she loves to bite and tug and play with them, we weren't, she wasn't ready to take that skill out on the road, even in a parking lot and at a park at places that we go um, walking all of the time, like on the trails. She still was too distracted by other things to even care about the toy in those environments and those situations. So we really had to build to start at home um, and build some control around the toys. Um, we had to build some behaviors with the toys so that she knew um, what we were doing with the toys, build some, I would say like some muscle memory um, around the toys of what we're using them for. Um, and then as we, you know, fine tuned that at home and she understood like, okay, this is a thing. You have this toy. I have this really fun thing and you are going to use it to interact with me um, and get behaviors that I want to see out of you. Um, then we were able to kind of start branching that out and taking it out into the world. Um, but you can't just like take a toy outside and be like, hey, play with this toy and like, let's do stuff. Generally for about probably 95% of dogs, it's not going to work. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right. So like if your dog is obsessed with like the ball in the backyard, it, your dog may not feel the same under different conditions. Right. Which exactly. is totally fine, which is totally fine. And again, like there will be many dogs who this episode you're like, yeah, right. My dog is never going to play with toys like that. Right. Waylon is one of those dogs. He like, I can't yeah. use toys as a reinforcer. He doesn't think toys are reinforcing, but I think that a lot of you have dogs who really do love to play. And you're also simultaneously trying to work on certain behaviors. And what we want to help you envision today is how you could use that toy play to increase the probability of the behaviors you want to see, but additionally really build that relationship, right? Because playing with toys with your dog, oh, it's My so, God, the best. yes, it's such a beautiful bonding experience. It's super fun for those of you who have adolescent dogs like I do right now. Like, oh my God, playing tug with Spicy is like everything in her so witching fun. hour. Like if she did not have that outlet to play, I'm like, she would be harassing Waylon or destroying my couch or something, right? So we want to help you understand how you can utilize toy play to your advantage here. Okay, so stuff. let's back it up here. So first and foremost, we have to make sure that our dog is actually interested in playing with toys in a low distracting environment, right? So if you have toys out and your dog doesn't play with toys at home, probably not going to be able to use a toy as a reinforcer. But if you have a dog who's obsessed with toys, they love playing with toys, let's let's talk them through some things that they can be working on as far as teaching the dog to interact not just with the toy but interact with the toy with the guardian right so and I will say that there are dogs that I have clients that are like oh my dog doesn't like toys and I go in and you just you got to move the toy in a d different way and the dog suddenly like oh, wait a minute, like, what are you doing over here? That's super interesting. So sometimes you can get a little bit more play out of certain dogs and get them engage, uh, a little bit more engaged with you. Um, a lot of times with the puppies, you know, a lot of times I go into clients' homes with like the puppies eating everything. And I'm like, well, and there's toys everywhere. And they're like, well, they're not playing with the toys. I'm like, well, are you doing anything with the toys with the puppy? Are you just like leaving them on the floor and expecting them to like know that they should play with those? Like we still have to teach the puppies like this is the thing to put your mouth on. This is the thing to bite and tug and play with. Um, and so we can start doing that. Get down on the floor with them. Like wiggle the toy around on the floor. Like get them engaged. Get them interested. And don't just 
kind of leave it and be like, oh, well, they don't like toys. Um, right. Okay. Fair, and right? and I think we have to think about a, a dead toy. Okay. A dead toy, meaning yeah. a toy yeah. that's on the ground that isn't moving, that no one's interacting with, is way less likely to captivate your dog's attention than a toy exactly. that you're holding. You're making it yeah. move, right? And a lot of what we're doing in like the movement we're creating with the toys is to elicit a little bit of like kind of some of that prey drive in our little dog's brains, right? Like this thing is moving. Should I care about it? Should I chase after it? And we really want to empower them to get curious and try, right? Like, Ooh, that thing's moving. Okay. I should go for it. Right. Okay. So I'm sorry. I know I kind of interrupted you there, but right. Like everyone, a dead toy is not going to do it. You've got, you got to, you really got to sell it. Okay. You really got to sell it here. Okay. So talk about some of the things you did, maybe just building confidence with like, yeah, this thing is moving. Go for it. Yeah. So like getting silly and goofy like it feels ridiculous but I go into clients homes and and then you know at home with Moxie and I just literally get down on the floor use my own body um, my body language to communicate with the dogs in ways that you know they would play with other dogs um so like literally like down on all floors like bouncing around like grabbing the toy and dragging it back and forth on the floor in front of them using the ridiculous like like what's this what's this like just getting them excited um and some dogs maybe don't like that some need a little bit like less pressure right and that's okay so you kind of have to meet the dog where they're at figure out what what's getting them like ooh, that's kind of exciting like getting a little bit flirty versus like okay you're you're like kind of weird lady like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) kind of going from there so yeah a lot of um moving chase throwing it away from you, dragging it across the ground, um, quick set of movements, almost like I really like to um, kind of teach people like almost pretend like you're playing with a cat, honestly. Like I think people don't think that like dogs can play like that. And like, I will take a toy and like drag it around on the floor and Moxie like pounces on me like a cat sometimes. And it's just the funniest thing. Um, But she wouldn't do that. Like she could have ended up with somebody that didn't do anything with toys and she wouldn't do those things, right? So I'm giving her the opportunity to engage in those behaviors because I'm interacting and making it move and like making it fun and exciting. Um, So yeah, using longer toys that there's more distance between your hands and the bitey end of the dog um, can be helpful. It can again, get that like prey drive because it's like something that they're chasing um, kind of kicked into gear. So kind of starting there and just getting, being goofy and ridiculous and you'll feel super silly and it's, really okay because your dog's not going to judge you and your dog's just going to be like okay like this person's maybe kind of fun and maybe I want to do more things with them right and I I think something that you can think about when you're trying to replicate with this with your own dog is think about like some nice back and forth okay so like maybe you move the toy and the dog bites it and you let them get it right and they kind of win and they're like oh I got this toy and then you maybe kind of move away from them and kind of do like a modified like human play by play play bow and invite them to come into your space right so in my experience a lot of my clients are like really in a hurry to like create boundaries with toys and they're not allowed to put their teeth on my hands and like okay obviously y'all I don't want the dogs to bite you like super hard but Right. That is just kind of like your dog has teeth. It's going to happen. Yeah. Right. You're going to catch some teeth. That's just part of it. Right. But I don't want to create too much structure around like the rules of the game, so to speak, Mm -hmm. until the dog actually finds the game reinforcing. Exactly. Yeah. I did a lot of um, like, okay, they win the toy. I'm like, like moving away and like making yourself exciting, maybe picking up another toy, a second toy, making that toy more exciting. So they drop the first one and want to get that toy. Um, never want to move towards the dog with the toy because that's when they're like oh 
chase. You're going to chase me, and this is going to be a really fun game for them, but not so fun for you. Um, <laughs> sometimes you can, you know, maybe work out in your favor, um, but I generally find that the more you kind of start chasing them with the toy, it doesn't work for you when you need them to come to you. Um, I like to use toys and that like interaction to build on some recall and just like getting the dog. I don't want the dog to grab the toy and be like, all right, this is mine. This is awesome. I'm going to run away and take it. And I don't want to do anything with you anymore. I want them to want to play with the toy with me. Um, so whatever the dog needs. So like Moxie is I do a lot of like lowering myself down, like moving away, moving my body away from her. So I'm not facing her head on. Um, and just making myself silly and ridiculous um, and get her to bring the toy up to me. And then we celebrate and we tug and then I let it go again. And then she wins it again. And we started there. We started with a lot of easy, easy wins of like, yes, that's your toy. And then when the game is over, right, um, I let her like, okay, we're all done. Like, you can go have it for a second. And then I go get something extra delicious from the kitchen or from wherever. And I trade it out and give her something really yummy to chew on and I take the um, high value toy and then we kind of, we call, call the session good. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, it's a lot of just like getting the dog to buy in to the game. <laughs> um, and, and, getting and it's them to up buy to us to be a fun play partner. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, Steph and I were talking before we started recording is that I really, we were talk, I was like, I should do an episode on how to decrease toy driving dogs. I did <laughs> that with Waylon, but I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. Right. I put too much pressure. Right. I, I wanted him yeah. to play and I wanted it to be intense and that wasn't really his style. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really up to us to match the dog's style. Okay. Yeah. Like, spicy she loves this game where like she gets the toy and she jumps up on me and then I just like pat her on her head and like pat her around her body and she just gets to have the toy and she thinks it's like the greatest ever right and if I would have been in a hurry like no jumping I would have like right. squashed all of that right. like fun yeah. and enthusiasm for her yeah. yeah right so when we're talking about creating toy drive right first and foremost you have to make it fun be a fun mm -hmm. partner to play with right and I think that if you have a dog who maybe is like, I don't need you. I got this toy. I'm going to go over here. That's, I think, maybe introducing two toys, right? Yeah. Like maybe introducing um, a special toy that comes out and it's really about interacting with you. And like you were saying, like, I really think like the long tug toys are like really yeah. great for this, right? Mm -hmm. Really great for this. And, you know, I think that some of the dogs come a little bit more pre-programmed with like the retrieving versus the tugging and playing, right? Where like yeah. really all they want to do is like, just throw the ball for me and do that. That's a little bit easier because it's a little bit more contingent on you throwing the ball and you're kind of like mm -hmm. a part of the action. But I still do think that dogs who like really would rather retrieve than tug, we can still utilize that, right? To like yeah. work with them and get behavior and making it, making it a fun and enjoyable experience. But I think that it's really important that you have to build this skill set and your dog understanding like, oh, I can play with you. We can play together right. before we're adding in a ton of like formal rules about how it's right. all going to go down. Right. Like yeah. I never taught Spicy a drop cue or an off cue or anything. Like I never taught her any of that until I knew she enjoyed playing with me. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So don't be so focused on creating skills around toy play. And if you don't have an existing like reinforcement history of you and your dog can play together with toys. 
right? Because the problem can be if your dog just is like, no, I don't need you. I can play with the toy without you. That can be challenging because then we can't really use it as a reinforcer because the dog is getting self-reinforced. Exactly. Yeah. And we want, we want it to be about like playing with you, not just the toy. Right. Right. So, um, okay. So as you work through this, right, you're working on like your inner silly, your inner dog, right? Mm -hmm. Like thinking about like, how can I mimic like moving away or doing a play bow and like stuff is saying, you have to be silly AF. You have to sell it. Okay. Like your dog isn't just going to be able to like do this without you. You got to be able to sell it. Right. So I think something else that's really important in some of those early phases is if your dog is engaging in something you don't want them to do, maybe they're running away with the toy, they're playing with it. Maybe they're thinking your clothes or your your shoes or the toy, just a ton of redirecting them to yeah. what you actually want them to do. So we're I would really advise against using any punishment around any of those things because we don't want to squash their enthusiasm. We just want to harness it and direct it in a more appropriate way. And sometimes you might need to like try different toys. They might be eating your shoes because the toys that you have, they think are kind of lame <laughs> or maybe they just need something new. Um, and just to like make it exciting again. Um, I, because Moxie has so many toys, I like pick up piles of her toys and they get put away and then they come out again and she's like, Oh my God, this is like brand new and this is super exciting. Um, so sometimes that's enough to like kind of help get them a little bit, a little more interested in the thing that you're trying to redirect them to. For sure. And I mean, in this day and age, you can find any type of like crazy tug toy. So everyone, cleanrun.com, search tug toys and your mind will be blown. There are like a bazillion. You can get rabbit fur. You can get sheepskin. You can get um, plush. You can get fleece. You can get ones with squeaky balls. You can get bungee ones. Like, I mean, the possibilities are endless. So my suggestion, if you're trying to increase some toy drive, right, and increase your dog's willingness to engage with toys, try like whipping out some good toys and seeing how they feel about it, right? Um, and you know, some dogs spoil us and you're like, oh, the rope toy that's lived in the backyard for five years. No, this is perfect. I'll play with it. But I think that that comes a little bit later. I think after you kind of cultivate some of that, then it's a little bit easier for the dog to be like, "Eh, this is my favorite toy, but if you're going to play with me, okay, I'll play. Yeah. And I would say, especially as we start to move from inside to outside, um, a lot of times toys that work inside and you start to get them engaged and like, okay, I could do this inside with you. As soon as you go out the door, they're like, no, I've never seen that thing before in my life. And I don't know what you want. So a lot of times we just have to use a higher value reinforcement toy, um, when we're trying to go out and use it in the world. Um, so Moxie has, I mean, I think I have a list of like the level of like value that all of her toys lie, um, <laughs> depending on where we are and what we're doing will depend on what kind of toy we bring for that, uh, that situation. So, <laughs> yeah. And you know, sometimes you just got to get creative and see it. And something else mm-hmm. that, you know, that I encourage my clients to do is like, I call it priming, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. get the dog involved in the toy inside first. Great. Okay. So they're already kind of in that, like, he- like play headspace. Okay, now take them inside and just try and carry that over outside, right? Yeah. So there might be some legwork that you have to do to help them understand like, oh, yeah, I love this toy. I do want to play with it. You're so right. Yeah. Because as we start expanding the environments in which we're playing with toys, right, and using toys as a reinforcer, we're up against a lot of competing motivators, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes sniffs are more exciting. 
Sometimes checking P-mail is more exciting. Sometimes leaving P-mail is more exciting, right? And I think too, you know, just like if you try and engage your dog in toy play and there's kind of looking at you like, Maybe they need a bathroom break. Maybe they need a sniff break before they're ready to engage with you. All of which is fine, but you just got to kind of like get a feel for who your dog is in that space, right? right? And I think sometimes too, there's like certain times of day, like I was saying before, spicy's witching hour, right? Which is like in right. the evenings, especially this time of year where it's dark and cold. She's like, has an abundance of energy. That's the perfect time of day because <laughs> she's got that energy and she wants to play with it, right? Yeah. But like if she's passed on on the couch in the middle of the day, probably not the time to like engage her in toy play and use toy as a reinforcer. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of getting to know your dog time of day, what toy is going to work. And I mean, even if you never do anything beyond that, I promise you it will be really fun. (laughs) I promise you it will be really fun. And your dog will love it. Yeah. And that's the best part. It's like you're doing something like with your dog that they're enjoying. And like at first it might feel like silly or embarrassing, but like the more you do it, the more you let go of that, like it's really a wonderful bonding moment with your dog when you play um I mean even like obviously we're talking about Moxie a lot because she's a two-year-old Belgian Malinois and she's like the epitome of like play and tugging and toys um but Cowboy oh my gosh like once or twice a week he gets all excited and flirty and he'll start playing with one of his little tiny toys and we just take like five minutes and it's all in his time so like we just play a little bit like when he gets excited I'm like okay everyone else gets locked up and we're gonna play with some uh play with the toy a little bit and it lasts like he literally is like okay five minutes and then he's just like done and that's it and I can't do anything to like get him to do anymore um but because we have this history of like doing this it still comes out even at 14 15 years old um and it just makes my week every time that little like spark comes out of him of like let's play let's like get excited it's it's much fun for him and I to do together um so yeah and I think it's a good reminder right like even chihuahuas want to play y'all okay okay even the little dogs want to play they all want to play and I will say that I do think that there are modified versions of play you can do without toys also I think it just is a little bit easier if a toy can be involved yeah yeah Yeah. cowboy for sure loves the bitey hand game um so we do a lot of like that and he gets all like ferocious um, and then he does better. So like he plays up on the bed it is like his safe place where he generally likes to play or like um, in the bedroom with the carpet and everything. So he's not sliding all over the floor. Um, so learning that, right? Like learning, learning those things. And it's also taken him, we moved two and a half years ago now. And so it's taken him a bit of time in that transition to reopen up and be okay with playing again. So it's something that he used to do all the time, kind of went away. And now he's like, okay, I can do this again. And it's coming out again. And it's so much fun. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things too, that it's like play can be play toy play can be an amazing reinforcer, right? And we're going to get to more of those details, right? For those of you who have dogs who are obsessed with toys and you need some help creating maybe some more boundaries. Um, But play is an amazing way to not only just engage with your 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 dog right bond with them but also to increase retention post training session right like i can't remember the exact study right but there was some recent research that dogs were able to retain information a lot better if they were able to play post training session Right. So we encourage a lot of our clients to like do a training session and then like be silly and wrap it up with a little play session. So even if we're not going to use play as a reinforcer, it's still extremely valuable for 
retaining information and bonding with our dogs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Right. Um, and I will say, you know, as someone who created Zero Toy Drive in Waylon, he loves to play, but it's not about toys. He just wants me to like pet him. Yeah. I'll move away and yeah. he'll come to me. Right. So don't be like, it has to be about, about toys either. Okay. No, so I think that's totally good too. Right. Right. Okay. So let's talk about skills <laughs> that we will start to build in once we have established that our dogs love the toys and they're happy to play with us. So tell us some of the skills that you work on with Moxie. Like you have a drop cue, you have a weight cue, you have a release cue. Tell us, tell us about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a little bit of um, control around the toys is definitely something that you'll want to build on. Um, I had to quickly like figure out how to do that um, very quickly because I was covered in (laughs) vice bruises um, because she did like toys so much. And when there wasn't as much control about it, around it, when we were just like, getting that like the toy in the place with me um she was one so like learning her teething and mouthing and so was accidentally getting me um in different places and then she just had zero chill so we really had to like help her figure out how to turn on her working thinking brain when there are toys around um so different things different skills that she has with the toys she has a drop drop is a work in progress it depends on the day depends on the toy depends on what other items i have if i still don't have something else right now the drop is still a little bit iffy so but that's something that we're working on that's something that we're building and that's fine um so we have drop we have take it wait um she's able now to do to like work and do other skills around the toys whether it's in my hand or on the ground somewhere else um moving away from the toy that's very, very challenging for a lot of dogs. Um, being able to just like walk by the toy and move past it. Um, being able to take it on you, take specific toys on you is not something we've worked to, towards yet, but you know, big goals. Um, trying to think, I think that's a majority outside of like her general behaviors. Like we're working on her being able to respond to simple cues around toys. So in the beginning, when I wanted her to start thinking about stuff, if I would have her toy in my hand, I had to start with like a nose touch and it had to be super, super fast. I couldn't expect her to like do a sit or a down and then me be able to like walk away with the toy and walk back or do any of those things. She was like, absolutely not. That's mine. And would just jump up and grab it. Um, so I had to break down all of these things into very tiny, tiny little steps, slice them down into little steps um, so that she was able to figure out, okay, I have to do the nose touch. And then she gives me the word and then I get the toy. And we also had to build that in too, right? At first to do the nose touch and go straight for the toy. So we had to build in that like, no, it's when I tell you to go to the toy that then you, you get the toy. Um, yeah, I think. That yeah. Was, yeah. And I think, I think, right. So I think that something that's really, really important for all of you listening who maybe like are not professional dog trainers, right. Is that we have to slowly, but surely teach our dogs that they can perform trained behaviors and then access the toy, right? So like Steph is saying, we got to start super small. What's a really easy, highly probable behavior we can ask our dog to do before we engage in the toy play, right? Mm-hmm. And then I really think that the t- the take it cue, right? So a verbal cue that means put your teeth on it, chase it, do it, let's go for it. I think is really, really, really important for creating just a little more impulse control around the toy and decreasing some of the like sporadic jumping and biting when we're not pre- prepared for it, 
right? Again, that's going to happen sometimes, right? Like everyone playing with your dog, sometimes you're going to catch a tooth, right? They don't mean it, right? But sometimes you are, it's just part of it. But I really think that working on asking for super simple behaviors and then starting to use that very clear verbal cue for getting the toy, right? And I don't think that that... So I think sometimes people would use like their general release word. They just say, okay, or something like that. I would advise against that. What about you? Uh, Totally. So I have, we have like multiple uh, release cues and multiple cues for like different things. So she has a cue for taking the toy if it's in my hand versus the ground. So if it's in my hand, it's strike versus the ground is like, go get it or chase. Um, so yeah, I can say like, okay, and release her and she still won't take it unless I've given that additional like cue of what that actually means. Um, because one, we tend to say the, the release cue like a lot, very more often than we realize sometimes. Um, and I have, you know, found that sometimes I have said it and she has released herself and I'm like, that is completely fair. Cause I said your word and I was not like meaning to. Um, so yeah, we very clearly have like different words for like taking the toy and putting it in your, um, in your mouth. Um, to go with that and your comment about like, yes, you're going to take a tooth here and there. Um, it is, I will say, it can be incredibly frustrating if you have a bitey, mouthy dog in the beginning of building toy play. Um, and it is incredibly important that when you do catch a tooth and you get like filled with rage that you just take a deep breath and walk away for a second and throw your dog a toy somewhere else or like don't right. take it out on your dog. Don't punish the dog for catching you because they did not mean to. Um, it was not intentional. Um, it's just, you guys are figuring out like how to work together, how to play together. Um, but it is easy to happen because it hurts. And so it's easy to just get like frustrated and caught up in the heat of the moment and just like want to like kind of yell at him a little bit. And you don't want to poison your playing together, right? You don't want them to be like, oh gosh, oh my gosh, what did I do? I'm so sorry. Now I'm like, now I'm not so sure I want to like come over and take that toy from you. Um, I have a dog that is not like that. (laughs) <laughs> she bites me and she doesn't care and then she would do it again <laughs> she's not that not like that anymore um but it can be really easy to get your dog to not want to play with you with the toy anymore just because your emotions have kind of gotten away so in the beginning I found it was much easier to keep these just like with any training session that we say to keep it super super short and sweet and just do like a few reps of each thing with the toy um, because it's hard. It's hard for them to have that impulse control. Um, and it's hard for us, especially as not non-trainers doing this to like break it down to the microsecond of these things that you're doing with the toy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of those things too, that again, like we never want to suppress a dog's enthusiasm. We want to preserve it, especially if we're trying to use the toy as a reinforcer, right. Okay. For other specific behaviors. Right. So I really do think teaching your dog to get the toy on cue can be super duper valuable. So another skill that I really love to teach surrounding toy play, especially with um, playing tug is a little bit of like an on switch and an off switch, right? So like maybe I tell my dog to get it and we're playing tug and it's going really, really well. And I just let go of the tug toy and I literally take a deep breath and I kind of turn it off, right? So that the dog's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. And maybe they run off with it and shake it a little bit. That's okay, right? Nothing wrong with that. But what we're really after is seeing the dog bring it down a couple of notches, 
right? Maybe they shake off. Maybe they stand still for a couple of seconds. Maybe they literally take a deep breath. Then you pick the toy up and then you re-engage them, right? And I think that if you have a young adolescent dog who's obsessed with toys, you're going to have to like maybe turn them on for a very short amount of time and turn them off for a longer amount of time, just kind of depending. Or I think if you have the opposite, right? Like if you have a dog who sometimes likes toys is maybe not young or crazy, maybe you need to turn them on for a lot longer before you turn them off because their natural ability to like bring it down is stronger than another dog. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Having that um, <laughs> impulse control is like, it's so sweet when you finally like when your dog gets it too. And they're like, Oh, yeah, okay, like teaching them how to like turn it on and then turn it back off again and just teaching them how to self regulate. And then that comes into play and helps when they're out in the world and something gets them excited to work up, they're able to like come down faster from that because we've been working on that skill at home within play. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like it generalizes to a lot of different concepts, right? And once they start to understand it, then I think it really opens up this nice bridge where we can really more effectively start to use that toy as a reinforcer, right? So I want to give a couple of specific examples here. So I'll give one step and I think you can kind of piggyback off of it. Okay. So like, so for Spicy, she likes to play tug, right? So like she gets the toy and she comes up and we do this like modified version of tug, which is ridiculous. I'm sure my neighbors think I am crazy, but thankfully they know I'm a dog trainer at least, right? And what I'll do is I'll get her wound up right like I'll get her rubbed up she's we're playing we're doing all that stuff and then I'll ask her to drop it and then once she's dropped it she's had some time to play then I'll bridge into asking for a simple behavior so maybe I'll ask her to sit she sits I'll present the toy I'll tell her to get it we'll play 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 I'll get the toy back then maybe I'll ask for a sit and then maybe a stay for a couple of seconds then I'll ask her to get it right so when we're talking about utilizing the toy as the reinforcer we can't use the toy as a reinforcer for an extraordinary behavior yet. We got to help them understand the framework of like, oh, you might ask me to do some things and then release me yeah. to play with the toy. But I, I find that sometimes we got to let the dog play a little bit first before we can go into like asking them to do things to get more access to the toy. Tell yeah, us more like- experience with Marks. <laughs> Yeah, I think that kind of goes in with like the priming them of like, hey, like this is going to be really fun. We're going to do this thing together. Um, And then I'm going to maybe ask you to like use your brain a little bit. (laughs) But I think if we go, especially with the adolescent dogs, if we go straight into like asking too much of them, they're like, "Mm, eh, I'd rather like not then. And they're going to be less likely to want to play with us the next day. Um, so yeah, I think totally starting out with like, Hey, this is super exciting. We're going to have a great time together. And now I'm going to like get you to think, and they're like already in the game and they're like, Oh, okay. Well now she's just getting me to like think and do something. And then I get my toy again. Um, especially I think for the dogs that have maybe just had free at like free at free access. I don't want to put it like that. Like I, we have toys everywhere all the time, but just like toys that are down all the time that you haven't really done this with before. Right. That you haven't like expected them to respond to a sit or a cue or whatever, or like wait until they've got it. Um, if they, if you've never had that relationship or that history with toys before, you definitely have to start smaller and get them to buy into the play first before we get them to work a little bit for it. Right, right. And I also do want to preface too that like, we can strike a brilliant balance, right? It's not that we're just only using toys as reinforcers, right? Sometimes right. you can just play with your dog and ask them to do nothing except for just play. That's totally yeah. fine, yeah. right? That's totally fine. But I think that like, you know, so something I'm working on with Spicy right now is walking at my side on cue. And, you know, she's a typical adolescent. She was doing it brilliantly and reliably up until like a month ago. And then she was like, <laughs> I don't know. 
never <laughs> done that behavior in my life. So I'm doing, I'm doing some backyard practice of it. And what I'm doing is I'm getting her excited. We're playing. She's into the play. Then I'm working on like, okay, I'm going to hold this tug toy. Okay, cool. I want you to walk with me. Oh, you're walking with me for a couple of feet. Oh, you're walking with me for a couple of feet. Brilliant. Get it. Okay. We're playing. Right. And it's, it's, it, I feel like it's generalizing a little bit better with the toy as the reinforcer versus food as the reinforcer, because it's creating just a little bit more of like that captivation and attention, you know what I mean? And that connection, right? Because she's just a little bit more aroused than she would be otherwise. And mm-hmm. I'm staying engaged with her and I have the toy and she's like, oh, this is fun. Okay. Yeah. I'm walking with you. I'm walking. With- oh, you yeah. gave me the toy. Sweet. This is awesome. Right. So that's how I'm currently using toy play as a reinforcer with spicy, but I will preface that's not on a walk. That's just in mm-hmm. the backyard. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But I can still ask her to do it on the walk and she's still, she's an adolescent. She is not responding 100% of the time. <laughs> But for the most part, right, I can get her to kind of do it. And when I ask her to do it, sometimes before I started working with the, the toy play as the reinforcer for this, I was asking her to do it. And I was getting a lot of like the eye roll and the like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, though. I have to. Right. Yeah. Which I don't want. Right. I really right. don't want her to feel like what I'm asking for her is yucky or hard. And that's why the toy has the toy as the reinforcer has worked really well, because when I ask her to do it recently, like especially if I've just done a training session, maybe before the walk and I ask her to do it, I get much more of like that enthusiastic, joyful response that I want. And I'm using a food reinforcer in the context of the walk, but I've I've created a little bit more of like the the overall energy that I want in the response to the behavior. Yeah, right. does that make sense? And reinforcing her, like, being in that bubble of, like, hey, it's kind of cool. Like, good things happen here, so I'm just going to kind of hang out here. Maybe she's going to pull out my toy again. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So I really think the toy play can be beneficial for so many dogs, but I really think the adolescent dogs, right? Especially yeah. the dogs who, are like, you're like, mm, hey, remember how we did all this training? Like, why don't you ever respond to things? Like, maybe you need to go back to some more of, like, that bonding fun stuff. And some dogs, it's the food, and they're like, you have food, I'll do anything, it's fine. But I would say Spicy is not the most food-motivated dog I've ever worked with. Yeah, yeah. And it depends on the place, too. Like, sometimes Moxie's more food-motivated, and sometimes she's more toy-motivated. And it's nice to just have the option to use both, (laughs) Um, depending on where we are and what I want to work on. Yeah, okay, so give us some examples of, in Moxie's life now, where you are using the toy as the reinforcer. Um, so all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> so many examples. I was like, uh, Moxie just pulls her toys out of the basket and is like, okay, it's time to work now. Um, because we've like gotten to that that point, um, which is wonderful. Um, one of my a few of my favorite ways we use the toys right now. I love so much that we have just built up this history of like, you come to me with the toy. Um, and you were talking about Spicy jumping up on you earlier, and I have heavily reinforced Moxie jumping up on me with the toy, and I am totally okay with that because she's more likely to come running at me and jump to me with the toy. Um, so we're using it for recall stuff for outside of the world for when she has a toy, um, getting her to like, hey, come play with me with the toy. If you come run this way and chase after me and then jump up on me, we're going to tug, and this is a great time. Um, and using that because there's a lot of times when we're out places, especially at the lake or when she's like, dragging the long leash and she gets more distance. Um, and those 
environment for her, the food is not reinforcing um, and she's not likely to care about food. So if I can get her engaged with her toy instead, and then she's like, oh yeah, this is the, the game that I do with mom. She's going to come into my space instead of running away from me um, because we've spent so much time building this history and this reinforcement of like tugging is the most fun thing ever with us. Um, so using it for that right now. And then I love that um she's now carrying her ball so I used her ball I was worried when I wanted to start running with her so we're doing like runs together where she's like attached to like a waist belt and she's like pulling me um and when I first started I was worried with some of her reactivity how we were going to like deal with this like running going by dogs and bikes and stuff and it has worked out so well that she just I took her ball the first few times and got her like we created this routine of like we go potty and then we get excited we get hyped with the ball in the parking lot and then we like she grabs the ball and then we go start our run and now she just like immediately she grabs the ball and she holds her ball for the entire run. <laughs> um, and it is like one of my favorite skills for sure, because now if we do have to pull off, if we pass people, bikes, whatever, and we have to pull off, if she needs a little bit of help, she's holding onto that ball in her mouth and I can just do a little bit of tugging and talking to her. And she's like, yeah, this is awesome. And then they pass us and we just keep going. Um, and I don't have to worry about like having on me like all these other things on me the food on me whatever because she's already just carrying the ball for her entire run and then we use it throughout the run as reinforcement um so those are my top two favorite ways right now that all of the training at home and the skill set that we built at home is now starting to really show up in the outside world um and is really benefiting us in our day-to-day -day life yeah and I think sometimes people have a hard time like conceptualizing like okay, but how is the toy actually reinforcing, right? So I want to just break down really quickly. Okay, so in the recall sequence, right? So mm -hmm. she she has the toy in her mouth already, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so she's just like, you know, she's kind of entertaining herself. You move away from her and call her into your space and she comes to you and you start tugging. That is what acts as the positive mm -hmm. reinforcement, right? Yeah. That increases the probability of her responding to that cue in the same way again, right? Yeah. So in that particular circumstance, the tugging with you, with the toy actually acts as the reinforcer, not just the toy in and of itself. Exactly. Exactly. And if she was more of a like retriever type dog, I would have like called her into me with her toy and then either had her drop that ball if that was like a likely behavior or had a second ball that I then threw away from me to then have her bring back. And that like the chasing of the ball and retrieving and bringing it back, it can be reinforcing in itself with the toy um, if you're doing it for more of a retriever dog. But for her, it's tugging is life. <laughs> okay. And I think that's such a brilliant example. Okay. So just say it again for the retrievers, right? That yeah. actually chasing the ball and bringing it back is actually what's acting as the reinforcer, not coming yeah. back necessarily. Right. Yeah. So it sounds so weird. So, but if they like had a ball and they're off in the distance, or if they don't have a ball and you're calling them and they come to you and then you toss that ball away, you are reinforcing them coming to you with the thing that they want to do, right? Um, and then if you've built a history of, I retrieve the ball and I bring it to you, they're going to chase the ball and then bring it back to you. And then you're giving the end goal behavior that you want of them recalling to you with the ball. <laughs> right, for sure. So, you know, it's like, we have to remember that it's a little bit more complex than like, just give the dog the toy and that's reinforcing, right? Yeah. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes for some dogs, if you have a lab, maybe. <laughs> right, right, right. There's some dogs that make it easy for us. 
right? So I think that there's a lot of practical ways that you all can utilize toy play and using toy as a reinforcer to get to outcomes, right? But I think that we just need to recap here that you being able to use the toys as a reinforcer out in the world is a reflection of basically her entire life of training to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. It does not, it's not something that just comes like naturally easily, even for the dogs that love playing with toys. Like we've had to heavily build a re- a history of like playing with toys when there's other things, other distractions, other dogs around, and that's still a work in progress. So <laughs> depending on the situation right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of those like for all of you listening, starting inside, start inside mm-hmm. your house, start yeah. small, right? And like for spicy, a toy is not reinforcing in the world. It isn't, right? In the backyard, in the house, it is, and that's where I'm leveraging it. Right. So don't feel like if it's not going to work in the world, you can't do things with it, because let's be honest, a lot of the like easiest training we can do is in our house or in our backyards or in the outdoor spaces we have access to. Yeah. Right. So I think really just thinking about like, okay, what are some target behaviors that you'd like to improve in your dog and how can we modify working on those with toys, toy play play interaction with you as the reinforcer right because obviously Steph and I are like cookie pushers forever right like Mm -hmm. we love being snack leaders we love using food but ultimately food is not always going to be an effective reinforcer it just isn't right and I think that there's a lot of you listening that have dogs who really do enjoy some of that toy play that you could actually really leverage more than you had ever thought before yeah yeah and I think a lot of people just don't think about it. They don't like think about the option of like, there's so many, like if I reactive clients that I'll talk to and be like, well, have you like tried taking a toy on your walk before for a dog that like really likes toys? And they're like, no, I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> like, yes, just take it with you and see what happens. Um, and a lot of times in that situation, the dog is not right away going to be play to play with it. We have to like go back and like build it. But the fact that they didn't even like, haven't even thought of that as an option in general, um, it's, it is. We can use toys are toys are wonderful if your dogs are into them. Yeah, and like you're saying, right? Like with the runs, it's like the the ball isn't technically a reinforcer until it, it is a reinforcer, right? right? Like, right? Like she's running with it and she has it in her mouth, and it's like giving her some purpose. Maybe we could label it that. Like it's giving her some purpose, but then it mm-hmm. actually becomes a reinforcer if there's like a dog or something, yeah. and she's like. Ooh, there's a dog. No, no, no. I have this toy in my mouth. Yep. I'm going to chomp on this ball. And that becomes more reinforcing than maybe the undesirable behavior of like right. having big feelings towards a dog. Is that accurate? Yeah. And that's not like, she's not tugging the ball on herself. So it's not like she sees a dog and is like, oh gosh, now I'm going to like take it out on the ball. I have to like get down closer to her and tug with her with the ball and get her engaged with the ball and be like, no, it's no big deal. Like we got the toy instead. So it's not just her like, doing that herself when she sees a dog it is me actively like okay there's a dog do I use food here do I take advantage of the toy in her mouth and use that and we can just and for her just like a little bit of like pulling on the um the ropes she's a a ball we have balls that are on ropes so that we can always tug them um so the ball is in her mouth and then I can just gently pull on the rope a tiny bit and that tiny bit of pressure is enough to be reinforcing for her um, so we use that, we tug a little bit, she tugs back, she gets a little growly out, and then we move on. And she's like, okay, no big deal. Yeah, right. And I think that that can be such a nice incompatible behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how about we just play tug instead? And she's like, yeah. yeah, you're right. That sounds like a really good idea, right? And then that way, we're not expecting her to like, 
sit and be a robot, right? It's like, okay, right. you kind of care about this dog, but would you rather tug? And she's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I think yeah. that you bring up a really good point, especially for those of you who have dogs who maybe like retrieving is more their jam than tugging. Mm-hmm. Ball on a rope, my friends. Yeah. Ball on yeah. a rope. Right? There's so many things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So any final thoughts about using toys and toy play as a reinforcer? Um, I, toys are wonderful. Play more with your dog. I'm all about like playing more with your dog. Um, I just a random like idea I had to throw out there was when you're building on this, a really great place to take toys to kind of like practice and try are sniff spots. Um, because they're like off leash places that you can like work on. I know it can be a little bit daunting when you want to like do toy stuff and you have a leash if you're going out in the world. Um, so I like the spots are also a great way to just kind of like test out and see where you are with your with your play skills and see like if your dog is able to think and play with a toy and like cares at all um, without worrying about like being at a park or somewhere else. And like um, you so said, managing the leash, okay? Because yeah. managing a dog on a leash and a toy, that can be kind of hectic. It's a lot, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so everyone, be sure to follow Steph on Instagram because then you can see her beautiful toy collection, maybe give you some inspirations and some <laughs> insights and some, some toys that maybe you need. Uh, tell them your Instagram handle again. Uh, Steph underscore click treat. Steph underscore click treat. Steph, it has been a delight per usual. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any more thoughts or questions about toy play, hey, hit us up on the gram. We'd be happy to talk to you. Yeah. Yay. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore N-C-O. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.